Let's talk about our time as solo caregivers to our toddler grandchild. It was a week and a half of opposites. Boredom, busyness, exhaustion, and exhilaration. Great love and great concern. We walked away with a greater appreciation for how hard young parents work. It is no small thing to bring up a child. And after this experience, I have more respect for them and for us, honestly. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we recap our long-distance babysitting gig for our grandchild. We did hard things. They are doing hard things. So we're going to celebrate each other and the child, who is all things adorable and temperamental and charming and challenging all at the same time. First off, let's celebrate you our listeners. You are amazing. I mean, only 14% of Americans age 55 and up listened to a podcast in the last week, and that includes you. The source of that information is a company that dives deeply into the trends around podcast listening. They're called Edison Research. And that 14% compares to 39% of Americans that are age 12 to 54 who have listened to that podcast in the last week. What does this mean? It means you should brag to your friends. Toot your own (laughs) horn. Show them it means you're not aging. In spite of any evidence you may see or feel. Evidence what evidence? Yeah. And tell them how much you enjoy our podcast. We want to celebrate with you. We want to share ideas with you and experiences and have a little bit of community around that. So we invite you to contact us. Our voicemail number is 317-572-7876. Our email address is grandlifeconnection, all one word, at gmail.com. Let us hear from you. Yeah, and we have a Facebook page as well. So they can also get on Facebook and, and talk to us because I often ask questions on Facebook. And that is the Grand Life Podcast, right? Right, the Grand Life Podcast so, on Facebook. Yeah. And if you're a big fan, you can go and join the Grand Life Podcast fans page, which is kind of fun, too. It's a little looser. There's a little more uh, dialogue and interaction over on the Grand Life Podcast fans page on Facebook. So I want to talk a little bit about this whole adventure. And I... I would be tempted to go into great detail about every little cute thing our grandchild did, but then that would be kind of like pulling out all the pictures. We, you know, old people used to pull out all the pictures of their grandchildren. Honestly, we've never wanted this podcast to be that. So there's a place for that. Yeah, I want to talk more about the things that we learned about ourselves and the things that we observed about how we parented that now maybe we would do differently and how we felt as parents when we were younger and now how we feel as we watch our own millennial parents do their thing. It Um, was illuminating. Yeah, it really was. It was, you know, we we kind of overthink everything anyway, so we're always thinking about everything. But um, you know what the first thing I thought was this week? What? The first thing I thought was I am out of practice. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, it is interesting because you do get in a mode when you're a young parent. You, you're you used to it. You get kind of in the groove. And when you're a grandparent, you do these things in very short spurts. So, you know, you take them, you might do one thing a little bit and then you do another thing with them and then you say goodbye and then you go home. I mean, there's that whole thing about being a grandparent is great because you can love on them and all that stuff. And then when they become difficult, you hand them over to the parents, right? Right. And then when that's not the case, what emerges is the need to figure out a rhythm. Yeah. And 
I feel like it took us about a week. Yeah. Give or take a day, but really close to a week to find that rhythm. And getting there is really the essence of our story. First day, it's like new parent. It was crazy because I'm going through the grocery aisle with him and he's grabbing things and I'm forgetting that they do that. And he's pointing out things, which was, I, I do have to say, pretty adorable because he had a, um, he has a particular love of kombucha right now. <laughs> so he just, he's very young and is saying kombucha, kombucha. I mean, he doesn't have a, he has a pretty big vocabulary for his age, but it was just funny to hear him saying that as we went down the aisles. But I had to just be careful because anytime I got too close to anything on the aisle, he was pulling it off and, and I was thinking, oh man, I forgot. I can't do that. Gotta keep your distance. Yeah. And then you made the mistake of turning the cart around one other time when we were in Target. Well, so it's been, again, you know, decades since I've had babies in carts. And so, you know, how much fun is it for him to stare at my stomach the whole time that he's in the <laughs> cart? So I turn the cart around. just about your stomach. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I, so I turned the cart around and I grabbed it by the front and I pushed it backwards the whole time, which gave him the chance to see everything. I hope <laughs> this is not a precedent that he's going to insist on when his parents are the ones who now have to <laughs> yeah. take him in a cart. They're, they're probably like, not one, they're wondering when they take him to the grocery store, why is he fussing about being in the cart in this way? Yeah, he never, he never did before. What changed? <laughs> oh. Speaking of carts, um, so I took him out of the... Uh, grocery store in the cart so I didn't have to walk him because I had some groceries in the back. Which seems like a great idea. Right. Then uh, I put him in his car seat and the cart started kind of rolling away. You know, I was trying to unload the cart. So I had one leg, one foot on the wheel of the cart while I'm trying to secure him into the car seat. (laughs) I'm doing this gymnastics and I'm thinking, man, this is why you have children when you're young. This is really hard Balancing when you're older. on one. There needs to be an artist commissioned to do this. Grandma balances on one foot uh, uh, while two hands hold grandchild and foot hooks cart with groceries. I mean, I was really proud of myself for being able to do it, but I also thought, man, this is chancy. You know, this, this could turn out really badly. And fortunately, it did not. And that's another thing, you know, when you think about your grandchildren, you really want to be flexible physically and stay in shape and not get yourself crazily out of shape because these are important times and you want to be able to provide care for them when you can. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you'd rather just stay home and sit on the couch and say, I'm sorry, I'm not up for this. But... In another instance, we I took him to the library and I was watching him in the library time, toddler time, and I was thinking back to when I was a young mom and how I kind of preached the idea that you should observe your children really carefully and know who they were, like pay attention to who they are. And I think I was thinking at the time and for a long time was convinced that If you really observed your child, you would know who they are at their core and it would inform everything that you did with them as they got older. And one of the things I think I learned was I'm not sure that's a good philosophy because children change so much. They don't they don't need to be put in a box like that. 
they are one way now. So if they tend to be the kind that hangs back, for example, or the one who goes forward like ours did where the, he wanted to be right there where the librarian was right at the book, that doesn't mean he's one way or the other. It doesn't mean he's extroverted or he's introverted or he's whatever. You can't put that label on them and then hang on to that label for the whole time they're growing up. But what would it mean to be hanging on to that label? It would mean that you uh, sort of prejudge their mm -hmm. attitudes. Yeah. You believe that there are certain kinds of needs, social, emotional needs that they're going to have that need to be supplied and you're going to, your alarm bells are going to go off if you don't see them being provided based on that characterization that you made when they were really young. Yeah, I think it changed in some ways for me as a parent, changed the way I related to each one of them because I just was like, oh, well, that one's this way and that one's this way. And I, I would do it differently now. When I look at our grandchild now, I think, well, that's how they are now. But in two months, they might com be completely different. In fact, I, they will be different in two or three months. Every time we go to see them, they change. So it's still important, I think. I, I think you were right. It's important to watch carefully, just not to conclude that once you've done that, you're done watching or you're done figuring them out. I guess. I guess. I just I just don't want to... I would not want to be the kind of parent, again, who's like, at their core, they're this way and they're never going to change. That was kind of a... I think that was a mistake that I made. And and now, of course, we as parents of adult children, and you all know this, you listeners, you all know this. When you get together for Thanksgiving, sometimes everybody kind of falls back into a rhythm of, oh, well, that child was that way and this child was this way. And they kind of go back into their role. The smart one, had, the emotional yeah, one. Right. The, the dramatic the, the one. The needy the, this, one. You know, that's not a good thing. It's really not a good thing. And I think it starts with that idea that I just said. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, if I, I could change that, I would. Almost every day during that week and a half, the parents who were in Europe were talking to him on FaceTime. And I just want to talk a little bit about connectivity when parents are gone. My experience when you and I went away, we did not talk to our children the whole week we were gone. It wasn't Save even for possible. maybe one or two phone calls. Yeah. yeah. I mean, part of it wasn't possible at all. Uh, so it was voice only and it was days in between, multiple right. days in between. And in those days in between, you and I were able to kind of just relax and kind of be a couple and not think about ourselves so much as being parents. I wasn't being drawn back in to the role I had as a mother. You could contrast that with the way they're set up. There's a network camera in the nursery so that they could watch kind of a wide view of what's happening there. Uh, very much like the doorbell camera, which is a wide view and microphones in both places so that they can see and listen to what's happening in front of the house as well as in the nursery. Yeah, it's not like we had anything to hide. It was just weird. I, I told my, I told our son afterwards, I felt a little bit like, a, you know, I was on the reality TV, like a Kardashian or something. And it was, I almost felt like I should be talking to the camera. It was weird. Yeah, big grandparent. <laughs> so, so the, 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 the thing with the, uh, with the network cameras is is that they did sometimes uh, 
send us a text message. Oh, I see that. Or right. oh, I heard that something mm-hmm. when is everything okay? Yeah. And so the connectivity gave them a chance to stay connected and an excuse to not disconnect. Yeah. And so, you know, in some ways I wanted to say, just enjoy your time, you know, just relax and don't worry about things. But at the same time, like I said, if you can do it, would you, would we have done it? Would we, I mean, we had a baby monitor. It was a terrible Fisher-Price baby monitor, we could hear what was going on in the person's house next door. Do you remember that? Yeah, right, because they use Citizens Band radio channels, and sometimes they weren't exclusive. Yeah, it's pretty bad. This is very different. I mean, they were literally half a world away. It's crazy. And listening to us, you know, watching us change his diaper. (laughs) It's strange. But um, I don't want to place any judgment on it. I I'm not them, but I mean, that is just a new, it's a new world. It's a new dynamic. So, Emily, should we have talked about it in advance? Well, you know what? We could have, but I didn't even know how I was going to feel about that. I I didn't have a sense of how weird that would feel to me. So, you know, I might talk about it next time, but I wouldn't, you know, obviously it was something that was a done deal. So I don't know. And one of the feelings that it gave me was what we talked about on an episode two or three weeks ago, fear of messing up or FOMU. Right, which was an acronym that Dee Moore from morethangrand.com, I think is it, mm-hmm. uh, came up with. And it's really true, the fear of messing up. In fact, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I don't know if I was so worried about messing up with him sometimes. I definitely messed up with you, though. And it, in this whole scenario that I'm going to talk to you about reminded me of how hard it is to be a parent because you've got so much on your plate. You've got so much going on. And there was a point at which um, I was kind of focused on keeping the baby occupied and happy. And that takes a lot of concentration. And you asked me where you could find like a food storage container in the kitchen for some leftovers. You were like, do you know where? Where, where do I go for these food storage containers? And I, I kind of barked back at you um, and just said something like, well, look for yourself. I had to look for myself. I got kind of, and you said, do you remember what you said? No, I don't. Oh, you were like, hmm, being a little surly. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, I did say yeah. That, yeah, I said, there's no need to be surly about it. I'm just looking for a baggie. <laughs> And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't take care of you both. I just am (laughs) focused on taking care of this one and you need to take care of yourself. And we laughed. But man, I remember now as that happened, I remembered how I felt when it was when you were so preoccupied with childcare and not having a bandwidth for anything else, especially a husband who can't seem to find something on his own. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that happened, which was very odd as a grandparent, was this child looks just like his dad. So in I'd look back in the mirror, the rearview mirror, when I was driving him to the museum or to the zoo. And it would just slay me because I, I felt like I was 27 again or 28. It was just like, oh my gosh, it's crazy that this child looks so much like our child. It was weird. So is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? That is, if you feel like you're 27 or 28, is it good because you feel youthful or is it bad because (laughs) physically 
you don't feel 27 or 28, but your mind is playing a trick on yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to say the latter. <laughs> okay. All right. It was just crazy, you know, to be to be 63 and, you know, feel like for a second thrown back. It's like the opposite of back to the future, back to the past. <laughs> it was crazy. I think that experience happens for men maybe with things like uh, work or sport. Mm. or um, certain kinds of recreation like hunting and fishing, mm -hmm. things that you've done for a long time and that you know that you're good at but mm. and, and that you have enjoyed for a long time. Yeah. I think it may be possible to, to imagine the years away when you go on a trip to hunt or fish or to play a particular sport. I, I think, you know, guys who play soccer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, grant or hockey. And then they blow out their knee because. <laughs> well, so there's a period of time where, it. you know, where you learn the hard lesson that, no, you're not 27 anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but I think that those moments do happen and they do play tricks with our minds and our bodies betray those, you know, those mind tricks. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, one of the other things that happened while we were gone was uh, several of my girlfriends had, you know, knew that we were doing this and um, they would text me and they would say, you know, reach out, which was so kind and offered a Zoom call with me. And when one of them said, can we Zoom call? All I could think of was, I mean, at that point, talk about Surly, I was kind of like, bang, bang, Zoom to the moon, Alice. That's how I felt. I was so much like, no, I do not have time to Zoom call you. I am too busy and too full and too tired. Um, I can't do it. And, you know, so thoughtful of them. But at the same time, I was like, I can't, I just can't. You know, I am older and I ran out of energy. But I think that when you're bringing up a child, you're often pregnant, which probably makes you feel like you're about 63 years old because you're carrying around. I'm trying to remember, but I mean, it was exhausting because you're carrying around another child and then you've got two children and you're carrying around a third child. I mean, that's that's a lot. And so I just kept, you know, I kept thinking about how I had felt when I was in my late 20s, early 30s and how exhausting it was. And again, like we said at the intro, I, I had so much respect. I have so much respect for these kids. I feel like they bite off more than we did. They're, they're doing more things than maybe we did. It was, it was kind of a simpler time. Well, maybe I think the way we played the game at the time, it was that simpler, more conventional role kind of thing. I mean, when our children were young, we were a single income household for the most part. Uh, I was the only one working outside the home for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so it was a little bit more traditional in that sense. I think that's super uncommon now. That's yeah, much more common for parents to have either a full-time job or multiple side gigs, mm -hmm. sometimes both of them trying to juggle the complexity that we chose not to deal with. Right. Yeah, it was a choice. Another quick thing I wanted to talk about was uh, we were in a different city and we were, you and I were talking about how important it is not only physically f to be flexible, but also mentally to be flexible and how much we enjoy, actually, the idea of going to a different city, putting the, putting on the GPS, thank goodness for GPS, and just learning new places, learning new ideas and thoughts and things that happen in different cities. Um, and you just have to be flexible. I think I felt in my own heart 
uh, a kind of a pendulum swing. I started out being anxious about those kinds of things and a little bit annoyed by everything that was different. But it took me about a week and I started to appreciate and enjoy the flexing that it was requiring of me. Yeah. You know, it, it was a great stretch for us. It's a really important thing for you to stretch as an older person. Go experience new things. Open your heart to things because otherwise you just become an old curmudgeon. You know, you just complain about everything isn't the way it used to be and all that stuff. And, you know, if you want to be uh, present and encouraging to your children, you need to be able to open up your heart and let new things in and recognize that they might do things differently than you do. And they certainly do do a lot of things differently than we do. Um, each one of our children. So they're not, they're all different. So it's important, I think, to just let them be who they are and encourage them in, in that. You say that, right? Not to mm-hmm. be, not to be curmudgeonly and not to be resistant. Uh, let me step to the side just slightly. Uh, I, I do want us to be flexible. I do want us to be open to what our kids need us to do. But I think we've reached some decisions based on this experience about what's good and right and safe. Mm -hmm. So one of them is, I don't think we're going to take on uh, child care of toddlers or or preschool age kids, particularly in multiples. Oh, yeah. I don't think we could do it with two. One, I mean, it was so I was so grateful that you had time in the afternoons because of the time difference um, to help. It was we could never have done it on our own that the two of us back and forth. I mean, it would it wouldn't even I don't think have been safe. So it was really good that we had each other. But when all was said and done and the experience was over, you and I were high-fiving it so hard. (laughs) We made it. We did it. He's alive. He's healthy. He was very happy. And He transitioned quickly back to seeing the parents pop out in three dimensions. Oh, my goodness. When he saw his parents after all that time, what a grand little thing that was to watch. He was so happy and so excited. And it's been a few days now, and everything we hear is that he's really enjoying this, and he hasn't even turned back to think about us at all. (laughs) Which is okay. Which is okay. It's all okay. It's all good. And we're uh, happy to have had an opportunity. It was a great opportunity. But as you said, um, maybe we'll wait until they're school age to do this again. <laughs> when we do, I'm sure we'll all uh, raise a glass of kombucha. Kombucha. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. We think there's grandmother universals. Things like... Grandmothers are always responsible for ritual making. They are responsible for rites of passage. It's it's those moments that you can challenge things. They often are caretakers. They often exhibit an incredible empathy and um, future orientation. They really want the world to change for the better. We actually talk about in a couple different ways. I like to use the word grandma magic, like that there's just this like extraordinary qualities that they have. That's next time here on The Grand Life.